Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. I love our team here at Real Life, who leads us in worship every week. There's a lot of different people a part of the team, and I'm just thankful. This morning we had a chance, Christy and I had a chance to chat with them, uh, to laugh with them. They are a riot. If you have never uh, spent some time with this crew, they are hilarious. Um, I am excited today because we get to talk to you about a topic that I actually am passionate about. And it's, uh, it's the area, we've entitled this, uh, Funding the Kingdom. And it's a look at what are God's intentions for the finances that you and I find in our possession. And I, I was very, I'm very particular about how I worded that, um, because I did not say uh, that we're going to talk about uh, what God wants you to do with your possessions. Because ultimately, they're not yours. Ultimately, they are God's. And that may be a huge theological shift for you uh, in considering that maybe just maybe what you have in your bank account or in your wallet, in your pocket, in your purse or whatever, um, that you, you've always thought that that's your money, that that's what you have earned, that's what you've worked uh, and sweated and toiled for, and that's yours. And you get to decide what you want to do with it. But I just want to say at the beginning of our little series here, um, you are going to want to reevaluate that because as we chase through Scripture, we're going to see that um, God's very clear with us that our finances, the stuff that we have a hold of, it's given to us by God to be stewards of, to do something with uh, for kingdom purposes. So um, we're going to talk about that. And there's really a couple goals that we have here. And one of them is this. I want to journey with you through scripture and kind of just hit the highlights of what scripture um, has to say. But then we also want to talk about what does that mean for real life? And for those of you who are joined online, who are watching with us, welcome. Um, If you haven't already said hello to us in the chat window, please do so because we just want to know that you're here with us. We love uh, just knowing that uh, there are people out there that are engaged and, and participating. Um, and so you may not find, you may not be a part of real life. Like you've never been in the building. You don't even live in Murfreesboro. Uh, you don't live anywhere near here. Uh, but you're watching for one reason or another. Um, welcome to real life and welcome to what God's doing through the people who call real life home. That can be you. And so, uh, so Welcome. So what we really want to do is we, we don't want this to be a, like, um, a theology-heavy type message. We want to pair that also with the practicality of what does that mean for us in our daily living. I want to give you a passage of Scripture to start off with, and that's Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. 
And I love this, uh, verse 10 follows right after that. And it says this, then he, God, will fill your barns with grain. Now, how many of you have barns for grain? No one that I know of in this room has a barn for grain. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but I tell you what, we're about to have all sorts of barns pop up. Uh, barns with, for grain, and um, your vats will overflow with good wine. You know, there's a, people out there saying, all right. Um, these are symbols for us um, of what God wants to do in and through our lives. And so um, I want you to be thinking about, about that. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. So if these are, if this is what God wants, right? If this is the God's best for us, then why is this such a touchy, touchy subject for churches to talk about? Yeah. So um, I've taught a couple classes uh, administering the local church, church administration finance, uh, where we, uh, I get to s- spend time with, pastors who are just thinking about finances and the recurring theme is pastors do not like to talk about finances um it's not that they don't want to it's that they're not quite sure how to do that because finances is a touchy subject i mean it hits us at the core of where we're at and depending on how you've been raised you are taught to treat finances differently so pastors are very well aware and more so probably even today than ever that in this room, there are different opinions about finances. Now, bring in all of you that are online, and that goes even further. And, and pastors are worried that as they talk about finances, uh, people are going to miss the heart behind the conversation. Because it's a conversation that's important to have, but it's not always received that way. Yeah. So many people say, well, see, the church just wants my money. And I want to say at the heart of this conversation, this is not about the church wanting your money. This is not about uh, we're trying to keep the lights on and the heat going. We're not trying to keep you know, staff paid and, and uh, a mortgage paid. We, you know, that, that's not what we're talking about. That's a byproduct of what we're talking about. Because when it comes to finances, it's not necessarily about your pocketbook. It's about your heart. And pocketbooks become uh, thermometers, gauges of what's going on in your heart. There was a song that we sang today that talked about how we trust God, how God can move mountains, how God can do mighty things. And sometimes we will sing those songs, we believe those in our heart, but we don't think that that translates to what God wants to do through our finances. And we think, well, I'm just going to have to suffer with what 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 I've got going on. Well, I think um, we can sit down, we can sing that song on a Sunday morning, and then we sit down with that, with our checkbook on a Monday morning yeah. and go, oh, but can God move this mountain? Yeah. And, and it's also hard because pastors don't want to talk about finances all the time. So usually there's a series during the year where they're talking about finances. And invariably, the visitors show up on that Sunday, <laughs> and they're like, see, I told you, they just want my money. And I'm going to say, I guess I'm going to say this, which is a very dangerous thing to say, but I tend to say things like that. Um, We don't want your money. We want your heart. But we do have to admit 
that the ministries that we like having at our, at our, at our disposal, they do cost money. And so that's the nature of this thing. Right. Ministry takes finances. And throughout Scripture, the people of God have always been the ones who have funded that ministry. And so we as, a, as real life, as the leadership, the church board, the staff, we want to make sure, A, that you kind of know where we're coming from, but also that you understand what finances at real life look like. Right. I think it's interesting that in the Bible, um, it's mentioned 365 times not to be afraid or not to fear. How many times are finances mentioned in the Bible? Over 800 times. Might be an important message. It might be an important message. So, so fear is mentioned um, one time for every day of the year. Finances, almost three times a day. You can think about it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Jesus, Scripture, the Word is talking about the importance of finances. Hmm. So we know fears or not, not to be fearful is important. Right. But we also need to understand that finances is important, right? So um, I, I want to I say this. God has an opinion about what's in your pocketbook. God has an opinion about what's in your pocketbook. And the reason that God has an opinion about this is because God's the one who put it there. Um, there's a story uh, in Scripture. It's a parable that Jesus shares where Jesus, or a master is going away on an extended trip. He brings three of his servants together, and he hands them each a portion of, of money. And he says, take care of this while I'm gone. The master leaves. One of, two, of the, um, two of the servants, they take the resources, they do something about it, uh, with it, um, and it multiplies. One of them is fearful because he's heard that the master is tough. So he doesn't want to lose the money, so he doesn't do anything with it. He just tucks it away. The master comes back, and he says, give me an account of what you have done with my resources. Hear that. It's not the resources of the servants. It's the master's resources. And I think that's where God also wants us to think, what kind of account can we give of the resources that God has entrusted to us? Anyway, back to the story. The master is so pleased with the first two servants because they took the resources and they invested them and there was a return on them. The third one, he was pretty mad at that they had done nothing with it. And he said, take what I gave to that person, give it to the one who earned the most. And that's the story. And I think the story, that the way we need to kind of insert ourselves into that, that conversation, God has entrusted us with resources. What are we doing them? Right. Now, I think, I think that um, the master in that parable would have enjoyed um, any kind of increase. Um, but I, I'm, I'm guessing that there are particular increases that he would have enjoyed more than not. And I think that that is true for God in us. Because when we look at God, he says, here is this, you know, whatever this is going to be. You know, here's $100. What are you going to do with that? 
Well, one of the things that God says, and we're going to kind of get into this a little bit, he says, you know, I want you to take that $100 and I want you to give me the first and the best part of that. I want you to return that to me in some way, shape, or form. And around the church, for a long, long time, we've talked about a tithe. And uh, he says, give that back to me. And it's a sign that you recognize where this came from and you recognize that there's something important to do with it. And that's returning to God. It's a Thanksgiving type of a thing. So why do we tithe? Okay. So we tithe for a couple reasons. One, God has called us to do it. In fact, God says that, you know, test me in this one. I'm going to read you a passage of scripture in just a second. So God has called us to give. Um, we get to be part of funding the mission of God. That transforms lives, right? So it's not just about keeping programs running. Right. It's about helping do things that connect with people who need their lives transformed. We're thankful for the gift and want to say thank you in a tangible way. And we understand that God entrusts the resources of heaven to us to be used for kingdom purposes. So just do a little evaluation here. This week... Um, what did you spend out of your pocketbook on kingdom-type efforts? Think about that. The statistics, if if the statistics are right, based on the studies that have been done, uh, the vast majority of you did nothing. Because the amount of... uh, of Christians, active Christians in the church today, the percentage that give on a regular basis is minuscule. And the reason I love talking about these finances, church finances, is because it's not about, it's not about a, a program. Right. It's about a people who recognize, hey, this is not mine. Not just my finances, my time, my treasure, my testimony. It's not mine. I just get to be a conduit through which God does some things. Can I give an example of, of that? Sure. I think, um, you know, we've been in ministry now for over 20 years, and I think back to the very beginning, right, 21, almost 22 years ago now, um, and I think about a youth ministry budget that was part of, you know, tithes and offering went to help with that youth, youth ministry budget for the year. And I think about the things that we did with that money, that that money went for scholarships for kids to go on retreats, and that money went for missions trips, and that money went for talent competitions and different things that we did with yeah. our youth group, yeah. right? And then I look, f- I fast forward 22 years, and I look at the vast influence of the faithfulness of giving of those people in Michigan 22 years ago, and how many teenagers are, you know, working in a job where they are. In, in, not in, not even in the church, but in the secular world, but they are an example of godly character, yeah. of how many people are actually working in the church and leading in ministry, of missionaries, that kids who came out of our youth ministry who are missionaries now, um, kids who are raising their own children now and training them up in the Lord. Yeah. And I just see that, that, um, that fruit that was born because of the faithfulness of tithe of yeah. those people 22 years ago. Totally. We got a text last I got a text last Sunday morning from a kid that was in that first youth group who said, Pastor Jeremy, they called me PJ, PJ, um, I'm about to lead worship 
on the teen retreat at my church. You prepared me well for this. Thank you. That wasn't just me. No. That was a church that recognized investing in young people is important because right. not only are they the church of today, but they're also the church of tomorrow. Right. And so, um, you know, it would be great to be able to um, follow the money trail. You know, I don't know if Ken Canary could help us with this, but um, to follow the money trail back to where it originated, but it, it really doesn't take anyone trained to do that because we know that it all originated with God. Right. And it followed a path of people who said, I want to give and invest in what the kingdom is doing in children, in teens, in adults, young adults, in those who are, are homeless, those who are needy, those who, um, you know, the list goes on because they recognize God entrusted them with something to be used for kingdom purposes. Right. Let me read you a passage of scripture. Uh, it, when it comes to finances and the tithe, this is probably the go-to passage that people always go back to. But I want to say this. It's not a standalone passage of scripture. As though this is the only time in scripture that is ever mentioned. Remember, 800 times the word of God speaks about finances. But Malachi says this. Malachi is towards the end of the Old Testament. It's a small little book. Uh, in chapter 3, verses 6 through 10, says this. I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Do you hear God's got a problem right. with the people that have always been called his people, right? And he's calling them out, and he says, you guys have wandered from, from the plan. You've, 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 you've wandered away, and you need to come home. He goes on to say, but you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? They don't get it. They don't understand the ways in which they've wandered away. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me, God says. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And here, the, these last few verses. You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And today we, we kind of understand the storehouse as, as the church. So there will be enough food in my temple. I love the way one pastor shared this with me. They said, the food in the temple, the food in the church is the word of God. Not just preached by pastors, but uh, unpacked in small groups, in children's ministries, in youth ministries. The food is the gospel right. that transforms lives. So it's not like some storehouse with fruit and vegetables piled up. No. Although we do have a blessing box right. that we're working on outside to help people. Or anyways, um, if you do, if you bring the, the, the tithe and the offering in the storehouse, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Mm -hmm. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Put me to the test. I love that statement. God never says that in any other part of scripture. Right. God never says, test me in this. In fact, he doesn't like when he's tested. Right, he doesn't like when he's tested. But in this he says, 
test me. Should we tell them what we've done in the past? Sure. So I'm going to make a deal with you. Um, I'm not the only pastor who's ever done this. You may think it's absurd, but I want you to test God on this one. For those of you who have never tithed in your life, I want you to get before God and say, I'm going to tithe. Not because I have to, but because I want to, all right? And I didn't even talk to the board about this. Probably should have talked to the board about this one. <laughs> Sorry, board. Um, I'm willing, as your pastor, to make a deal with you. Because God says, test me in this. Right. If you commit to faithfully, generously give a tithe back to God, and you do not find that God pours out his blessing in your life in all sorts of different ways, we can talk about returning that tithe to you. I believe... You've offered this several times. I have offered this for years. And we've never... No one's ever asked for it back. Now, maybe they're just... I'm not going to ask the pastor for my tithe back. (laughs) But, But I think it's because people understand that when we are able to surrender our life to God in the area of our finances, it's a tangible, tangible way that also addresses the other things in our life that we are called to surrender to God. Mm -hmm. And what I I usually find is that people find themselves um, transformed in ways that they never thought possible because they were willing to give their all to God. Um, And... For clarification, the word that we know as tithe, it comes from an old English word. Uh, so that's a, it's a translation of what the, the, uh, the Hebrew in here would be saying. But it actually, sa- it actually means a tenth, to give a tenth back to God. Um, let me just be practical for a second. Uh, I grew up with parents who instilled this in me. Um, so from a young age... I, I gave my tithe to God. Um, and I probably, I, I haven't been gr- 100% successful at this, but it's always been a regular, practice. a regular practice of my life, even as a kid. For those of you who have never, ever given a consistent tithe to God, for you to start doing that right now, it's probably going to be difficult. Because as a society, we are a society that is so dependent upon debt, that it's not that we are living on 100% of what we make. We're actually probably living off of 110, 120, or more percent, which means we've got an accumulation of debt. So when a pastor comes along and says, hey, I want you to start taking the first 10% off and give that back to God, you're like, "Um, I can't even pay off my my credit card bills. How am I going to pay a tithe? Um, And and so what, I, what I, I want to, I want you to start somewhere. Start somewhere. Um, it might be you commit to 1%. And you're like, hey, I, I can do that. I, I, it's taken some adjustments, but I can do that. Right. And I want to challenge you to begin building that practice in your life. We probably also need to spend a whole other time talking about debt. Yeah. But that's a different conversation that's very closely tied to this. Right. But let, let's start somewhere. Now, there's a difference between a tithe and an offering. 
a tithe is that um, that contribution that you make, uh, you, you give that back to God, it's the first and best portion of your increase. Um, there's no strings attached to that. You simply say, God, here you go. Offerings come along after the tithe. And they sometimes can be, um, they can sometimes have strings attached. Like, hey, I want to give to the technology updates that we are raising money for here at the church. Right. Um, and so I've given my tithe. Now I want to give a little bit extra to help a specific need in the church. Now, sometimes people are like, well, I'm just going to give whatever I've got in my pocket on Sunday morning. That is not your first, and that is not your best. Now, if that's what you're in the custom of and habit of doing it, um, let's continue doing that. But let's shift to where when you get your paycheck, whatever that paycheck is, you commit, hey, I'm going to take the first 10% off, and I'm going to live off of 90%. Did, did you catch that? God's, God wants you to use 90% of what you've got for you. Now, some of you, in fact, there was a guy that I heard who decided he was going to live off the 10% yeah. and give the 90%. Right. How'd you like to try that one? <laughs> God says, just a 10th. Right. Just a 10th. Let, show me what you, show me the condition of your heart through what you're willing to do there. So who should tithe? Who should tithe? Great question. Uh, the people who should tithe are those who have given, who have, been, who have received from God, those who desire to worship God with everything that they have and everything that they are, and those who want to partner with God in furthering his kingdom plan in our world. So, Does it matter how old? No. In fact, parents, I would encourage you to begin this practice with your children. Um, give them a little job to do. Maybe some of you give allowances. Begin teaching them about their resources and how they can use those to be a part of the kingdom. Um, our teens have blown me away this year in the way they have raised funds to help other people. Right. You know, if we train people up in the way they should go, they will not depart from that. Sounds like a Bible verse. Sounds like a Bible verse. Now, we also recognize that sometimes life throws us some wrenches, right? Right. Um, and I think my biggest vision for the church is that we would be that place that can handle the crises in people's lives because we have the resources available. Mm. Um, people come to the church all the time looking for, for help. Right. Gas, food, rent. And oftentimes, we, we don't have a lot. We do have food that we're giving out. We do have resources sometimes. But I think that we as a church could go way beyond the call of duty and be ready for the needs coming down the road. Right. Um, yeah. So you've talked a little bit about this, but when should we tithe? When should you tithe? Um, you should tithe, you know, God says in, in the Word that you— um, you give the best of what you've got. 
the first and foremost portion of your increase. You know, people say, well, is that the net or is that the gross? I don't care where you start. You go to God there and say, God, what do you want me, what do you want, what part of this do you want me to tithe on? And someone once said to me, um, I tell my people, tithe on the part that you want God to bless. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I understand that these conversations are huge paradigm shifts for people. Right. Because in so many ways, our society is not, um, is not ordered based on the way God set things up. And so when we start talking about the individualism of, of our lives, we feel like we are the center. We are the most important thing in our life. But I would argue that's not the most important thing in our life. It's God. And so I wonder for us, what does it look like for us to be a part of giving away the resources that are God's to begin with that God has just entrusted to us. Um, I love flying. And growing up, living in Hong Kong in the mission field, we flew a lot. And I was always intrigued by the stewards and the stewardesses. A plane full of people had been entrusted to them for the duration of that flight. And they did everything they, they could to take care of the people on that plane so that when they arrived at the destination, they would arrive in, 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 a, in a good way. Right. It's the same that's true of us when it comes to finances. We get to be a part of what God is doing through real life and through others, and I don't know why you wouldn't want to be a part of that. Right. So talk to us about funding the ministry. What does it look like? What is... Funding the ministry. All right, so throughout Scripture, um, God's plan for funding ministry has always been the people that have given. If you follow the Israelites in their journey through the wilderness, uh, there were the tabernacle needed to be built. That was the movable tent that went with them that housed the presence of God. Um, the people brought of their own stuff so that they could fund the, the building of the, of the tabernacle. The same was true of the temple. Um, construction of the temple was done through the resources of the people who gave. In fact, there's a part of scripture where the, uh, the overseers, uh, the project managers, went to the leaders and said, you've got to tell the people to stop giving. We have a surplus, so much so that we don't know what to do with it. I think every pastor in the world would love to have that conversation with their church board. It's like a dream. Folks, we just have too much money. What are we going to do with it? I tell you what, I know a board who would be willing to take some huge steps to say, we're going to expand the reach of what happens here at Real Life because we believe that what's happening here is worth sharing with as many people as possible. Right. So tabernacle, temple, um, the priests— the priests were instructed that they were not to work, that their entire sustenance was to be provided for by the people giving the offerings. And so that was kind of just the way things happened. And then if you get into the New Testament, you find Paul talking about these churches that he had planted that were giving generously, 
to fund the mission, his mission of traveling around the area and spreading the gospel, and that ended up planting churches in some places, but also funding the mission back in Jerusalem, which was the center of what God was doing. So the people of God have always been the ones who have funded the ministry of God because God is the one who has entrusted them with stuff and they recognize I have a part in what God is doing here. And so that's just kind of the way it's been. Now, a problem we have is this. There have been times when uh, the clergy, when churches have taken advantage of the generosity of the people, which is why you see some people today saying the church just wants my money. Right. Um, I guarantee you, we here at Real Life, I'm going to meddle if I say that. <laughs> Do it. Do it. There is one thing to live extravagantly. There's another thing to do what you know God has called you to do um, with ample resources. Um, you know, here at Real Life, we don't have the we don't have the the, the best building. We don't have all the bells and whistles. Uh, we have a parking lot that needs to be expanded, and we have a mortgage that needs to go away. Um, but we are not going to be that people who are going to go out and buy all of this extravagant stuff just because it's cool to have. There are ministries out there who are known for that. And that's not us. And I'm also going to say this. We are not that ministry that says, if you give us $10, we will do X, Y, and Z for you. And the more you give, the more we'll do for you. This is not transactional. This is about us saying, God, it's yours to begin with. I'm giving it. I'm just saying on our end as the leadership of this church, we're going to do whatever we can to stretch the dollar right. so that we can maximize your sacrifice for the kingdom. So it's not like a country club where you're buying in and you have a different you know, bronze, silver, gold level. Yes, and I am not going to buy an airplane. Okay. <laughs> That's my meddling. There you go. Now, some would say, but those are resources that we can further the reach of our ministry. Right. I, I think we get on some pretty dicey ground there. Yeah, we'll leave that for today. We'll leave that for another, okay. another time. So talk. let's talk a little bit more about, you know, it's not always about funding the mission. Yeah. Um. It, it isn't. It, it's, a, it's about, it's at the heart of the giving conversation isn't the issue of keeping a church afloat. While there always will be needs, like we have to keep the power on and we have to have the heat on and we, we've got to pay the bills and we've got to... Um, pay salaries and mortgages and, and stuff like that. There's always going to be a part of that. Right. Which is why we, we hope to keep overhead low so that we can fund ministry, not just structure, right? Um, while there always will be that part of, of giving, it's really about partnering with God to do the things that God wants to do through us. 
And I would hope that as a church, um, I'm going to give you permission to do something that sometimes has been taken out of context. I want you as the church to hold us, your leadership, accountable for the resources that you are giving to the kingdom. Um, we, I'm, let, let's end today on this note. We are trying to communicate to you where we're at financially. We're going to go in more in depth, depth with this next week. But one of the things that you have seen in newsletters, and you've, you'll see it on the screens every Sunday when you come in, is you'll see, in fact, can we go back to that slide? Is that possible to go back to the giving slide? Um, I don't know if it is or not. But we are trying to show you what has come in for the month and what is still needed for the month so that you have an idea of, oh, this is kind of where we're at. We as a church function off of a budget. And so here it is. Um, Our total received this month in January has been $12,350. You have given, whether it's in the joy baskets, the joy box, or the joy link, you have given that much money to further the ministry of this church. Based on the budget that we have set, we still need $3,950 this month to break even. So that includes this week and the, we got two Sundays left. So over two Sundays, we're looking at about $2,000 a week. When I think about the, the reach that we have, that should not be a problem. And I'll say this. Um, if everyone gave a tenth of their increase, there, we would be able, we wouldn't know what to do with things. Right. But I think this. If we were to see that everyone in the church were to give a tenth of their increase to invest back in the kingdom, I think we would be able to stretch what we do to impact more people for the kingdom. Absolutely. Right? Because this budget actually is um, this need, this expressed need, um, is below our budgeted need. So just as a snapshot, we set the budget, our, our fiscal year, goes May through April. And so when we set the budget for this fiscal year, it was pre-COVID. So this year, we have seen a lot of factors affect the giving in this church. And I want to say thank you to so many people who have continued your faithfulness and generosity in giving. Another thing that has affected us at Real Life is that we went through a transition between pastors. During that season, we did lose some people for one reason or another. They're not currently a part of of our worshiping community. Um, That affects what this church was accustomed to being able to do. So that's two major things. That's, it's a transition and a pandemic squished right together. Yes. And so this year, we and the leadership have been looking for all possible ways for us to reduce costs so that we can multiply effort. We are still looking at refinancing our mortgage. We are looking at making new deals with providers that we have for internet and whatnot. And sometimes that works. 
Sometimes it doesn't. We've spent hours on the phone trying to yeah. barter, if you will, with companies yeah. to work with us. But, and, and the reality is you can only squeeze so much right. out of a sponge yeah. until it's dry. I say that to give you an, a, a glimpse into where we are at. I think as a church, we are okay. You need to ask yourself, are you okay with the church being okay and ultimately have are you experiencing all of the different kinds of blessings that come when you find yourself fully surrendered to god right finances being one of those areas we have some more stories about that next week we do we have some great stories next week i'm going to give you a better snapshot of you know finances at real life and we're going to unpack this a little bit more Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning. This is a lot to hear, a lot to take in. It's a controversial topic for some in the church, for many in the church. It makes pastors nervous. Um, it makes pastors go home wondering sometimes if they still have a job because they talk about it. But God, I pray that today that the words that have been spoken would speak to the hearts that have heard. And Lord, that you would lay on our hearts what it is that is, um, that is right, that is good, that is okay. What are you calling us to as individuals in this place? Um, Lord, may we become a part of the church, the body of Christ, in all that we do, not just parts of us. And God, I pray that as we go home and we have discussions with our family and with our spouse, and, and as we discuss even or think about our own finances individually, if we're, if we're single, Lord, would you just impress upon our hearts this week that that you want us to be faithful with? Would you call us to new things? But God, in the process, would you bless all of the efforts that we have to become faithful stewards of that which you've given us? Lord, I thank you for those that are here, for those that are viewing online, and I pray that for all of us that you would go with us this week. In your name, amen. Amen. Church, go and be the conduits that God has created you to be. Be blessed and be a blessing. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org give. Thanks again for listening.